The Cinesnob Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Draft House. Cody, Halloween weekend, Nightmare on Elm Street Marathon, Alamo Draft House Westlakes. Man, you have to be crazy to do that. Really? Have you? Uh, I, we've, I feel like we've talked about the Nightmare on Elm Street series before, but have you seen any of them? Uh, no. Really? I've seen bits and pieces of them. This is one of the things that that was uh, really popular with my generation, uh, but I never caught on to it. It's kind of like like it ran parallel to you know the stuff that I grew up with, like Transformers and GI Joe. Uh, this was more in the camp of like wrestling and horror, which is the stuff that, that I guess you could horror movies and, and wrestling were things that you could feasibly still be fans of back in the nineties when it was uncool to still like the stuff that you liked as a kid, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of, a lot of my friends and, and people that I went to school with grew up all through elementary school and, and middle school and into high school enjoying horror movies and i think that's when uh i think this uh this series that the draft house is showing the first seven movies from the nightmare on elm street series ends in 1994 with wes craven's new nightmare uh which is almost like a proto scream if that makes any sense Uh, look man i i i i like movies as much as the next next guy but if you want me to sit there for seven movies in a row i i can't i just can't even even if it was your something you you absolutely loved you couldn't do it i don't think so i i really don't i think that you hit a breaking point at some point like i mean you know we know some people who went to fantastic fest and would sit there and do five or six movies in a row and i'm just like i i don't know that i could do that like i think i would I would need to see the sunlight or know that my family still exists or like, not, not that I, uh, not that I don't enjoy fantastic fest, but I I think that's a bigger gamble than something like this because you don't know what you're getting into, you know, with that, with, with this, at least, you know, like, right. There has to be, there has to be like a couple shitty ones in there that everyone knows are shitty. Right. Oh, I'm sure. But I think that, uh, I think, the, the series as a whole is beloved because it's kind of schlocky and 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 terrible at times. I don't. I mean, Freddy Krueger was a big deal when I was in late elementary school to middle school. Like he was a pop culture phenomenon outside of just being a the horror movie character. I mean, he was a, a real genuine like character that that people like. They made toys like dolls of Freddy Krueger. Which I mean, and he's like this grisly, grisly child molester murderer. <laughs> there's literal dolls uh, made in his likeness. So it, it the way it transcended the horror movie stuff. God damn it! The, the way it uh, the way it transcended the horror movie, um, you know, genre to become so popular. I think is why people still love it today. And I don't think anybody really cared for the remake that happened a couple years ago. Uh, was that the Jackie Earl Earl Haley one? Yeah. Uh, this, 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 uh, marathon, uh, notes that it's doesn't include that one, nor Freddy versus Jason, which, which is the only one I've actually seen. I have seen that movie. I haven't seen that one. I remember there was a lot of talk after that movie came out that, that, uh, the up would be Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Um, yeah, the of course played by Bruce Campbell, but that never materialized. <clears throat> I mean, um, I just I I could have sworn you just said the late Bruce Campbell. I was like, what happened? Oh no, he's fine. I just saw him a couple <laughs> weeks ago. 
I know. <laughs> anyway, this is uh, the first seven movies in the front in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. This is who can get them straight. They're very interchangeable in my brain uh, because they're both they were both such big parts of my youth, even though I never really watched them. Uh, so this is at Alamo Drafthouse, West Lakes, starting at noon. Tickets are thirty five dollars. That's seven movies. That's five bucks a movie to see the uh, the uh, the whole Nightmare on Elm Street series. Is it like? Uh, I assume it's like when they do the other marathons, like they they take a tiny break every now and then. I have no idea how this is going to work. I mean, I would. I, it's. I don't know. Because I mean, you have to be able to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I mean, like, the only marathons like that I've been to have been for TV shows. So, like, I went to a Party Down marathon where I, where we watched um, every episode back-to-back. And the only breaks we took were there were Q&As between the two seasons. Other than that, they were right into one another. Uh, I know that uh, I read, and I don't I don't know that Drafthouse did this, but I know that every now and then some movie theater chains will do all of the uh, – marvel films in a row yeah mm-hmm. and it's it sounds like utter madness and I, yeah. I, I do believe that uh draft house here in austin did it did that with the star wars films when uh the force awakens came out and mm-hmm. they you viewers had to sit through the first six movies and then through the force awakens over and over and over and over and over again until the, there was like one person that could stand it still Oh the, yeah, yeah. And I think that guy got a seat named in his honor or something crazy. Worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't that I can't remember how it shook out. I remember the reading the press release about it, but that guy I I want to say saw it m- at least 5 or 6 times set through the Force Awakens. Good god. <laughs> okay, anyway, so once again, Nightmare on Elm Street Marathon, Alamo Drafthouse, West Lakes, Saturday, October 29th, starting at noon. Tickets are $35. Get them at drafthouse.com. Let's go ahead and start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many. To produce a relatively listenable podcast, devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait, oh, okay. hey, no! They're puppets. No, and <laughs> Muppets are puppets. This is gonna... <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulk Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 90 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Okay, so... Lots of stuff to talk about this week. It's uh, October's a busy month for some reason. Lots of uh, pop culture stuff going on for me. I don't know about you, but uh, I just went to the Renaissance Festival this past weekend. Have you ever been to a Renaissance Festival, Cody? Uh, I thought they were Renaissance fairs. Uh, well, I think the term is interchangeable, but this is uh, the Texas Renaissance Festival near Houston. Um, Man. Yeah. God love you. <laughs> you know what? It's, I mean, look, 
once you've you've been mired in the world of Comic Con, um, it's it's really a short hop to to Renaissance Festival. Um, I'll, I, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, it, it, funny thing, and I I don't know if you saw my Facebook post over the weekend. I thought like it would be hardcore Renaissance Festival people. Like my girlfriend dressed up in in like a maiden costume or something. I don't know. Like a I can't. I don't know what it is. It's just kind of a generic female Renaissance costume. There are people there that go all out, and then there's like some some punk ass kid wandering around as like a Jared Leto Joker, like what? <laughs> <laughs> and then a little girl dressed as Rey from Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, and uh, just various various here and there other pop culture things, like a guy dressed as a Power Ranger, um, a lot of shirtless dudes, mm-hmm. like like they were just in like khaki cargo shorts. And they just take their shirt off, but uh, a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff there. I nearly, I, I almost told you this before the show, but I very nearly bought a sword, like an actual sword, like an actual sword. Well, they have, you know, what's and you know, this is where you might appreciate this more, is they have actual swords. I mean, they're not sharp, they're but they're made of metal and heavy, and you could definitely kill somebody with it but it's not it's not gonna cut somebody's head off but they're uh <laughs> so so you know it'll it'll kill them but you're not gonna decapitate them i mean you're not gonna cleave through their through their neck with a with a sharpened blade or anything but you could definitely club someone to death with it <laughs> but uh no they're uh replicas from films so like you can get gandalf's sword from lord of the rings or you know uh Mandy Patinkin's sword from the Princess Bride, or any number of other things that are, or you know, uh, Ned Stark's sword, or various other swords, any <laughs> other fucking sword you can think of, or you know, a battle axe or something. So I thought that was cool. I I almost almost bought a Gandalf sword, um, but I at the last second I I I balked at it, and I might regret it someday if I ever have to battle, the, you know, a, a dragon or something in my house and. Like shit. But, yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't have regretted that. But uh, no, it was it was actually really fun, and it's in it's in the middle of the woods, so it's authentic, at least to that point. You know, other than you know they sell Coca Cola, but uh, and ice cream, but uh, <laughs> and turkey legs, tur- lots of turkey legs, lots of um, uh, German food. Like I had a schnitzel for uh, for lunch. I'm sure you did, buddy. Hey, shut up. It was fun. Um, meanwhile, over the weekend, you went to uh, a little meetup. Not M-E-A-T, but... <laughs> that was afterward. Actually, it was because we were at a barbecue place. So, you know, get it? Okay, I'm, I'm, so... I'm on board with you. Go ahead. <laughs> See, that's how you really know that you landed a joke when someone's like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, okay. No, it's like Harry Shearer in Wayne's World 2. Is that too, yeah, too it's like reference? when, it's like, it's like, yeah, uh-huh, it's like yeah, when you uh-huh. talk to someone and they and they just, they don't laugh, but they go, oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so there's a, uh, there's a, a group on meetup.com, which is kind of like a really, this, this really interesting social interaction place where people can meet up. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine (laughs) that. Yeah. But no, it's a, it's a place where people gather, um, and there's a movie lovers club, um, on there. 
so they'll go, you know, several nights out of the week and, and you know, <laughs> meet up at the movies. And um, I know they've come out to some of our uh, our screenings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our last cinema on tap, I think about 13 of them were there. Right. And um, they regularly come to the draft house things and they had their first kind of real official meeting. And so we were there, you know, peddling our wares and whatnot. Pressing uh, the flesh. Yeah, pressing the, pressing the flesh. Uh I've you been know, shaking hands. You know, uh, <laughs> kissing hands and shaking babies. You know that sort of thing. I'm glad. And, I'm glad you paused to think of that joke. <laughs> I heard the wheels turning. Yeah, I, well, I had to get it straight, or else I wasn't gonna. I would have just been not a joke. So um, <laughs> you could say it know. was pretty much not a joke already. So. <laughs> Killing it right now. So. Um, so yeah, it was a good it was a good meeting. Um, you know, we got to talk a little bit about what we do. They talked about what they do, and um, and yeah. So if anyone listens to this and is like looking for people to go see movies with or talk about movies with, that's a really great place to meet some really nice people who are really into film. And you can find that at meetup dot com. Is it San Antonio Movie Lovers? I think it's called the SA Movie Lovers okay. Club. Yeah. So say oh, hi. Oh, was SA Movie Lovers Unite. So it's like a call to action, you know? <laughs> What's the, well, I was going to make a Transformers reference. Go for it. What? Your Autobots roll out or whatever. No. Nerd. I wasn't going to do that, but <laughs> by all means. Uh, so uh, that was uh, ahead of our uh, screening, which is happening this week. Our second Cinema on Tap uh, uh, screening of What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah, yeah, we've got some good response so far, um, and uh, and we we booked our short film, so we're doing the local short films beforehand on all of these. So we have a short film called "Get the Hell Out," which is like a possession horror comedy. Um, and for anyone who follows the local comedy scene, it was made by uh, the guys from Comedia Go Go, yeah. um, a comedy troupe who are pretty popular here in San Antonio. And um, the the films that they make are are they always you know, go towards the horror genre, which is, is really interesting. I, I had seen a movie that they had done called blood cousins. Uh, that was really interesting. Um, so that'll be beforehand. We've got a food truck out there that has a ridiculous menu that I'm going to eat lots of. And, um, yeah, I mean, we should, it should be a pretty good turnout. We've got a really good, um, got some good momentum on the front page of the current website today with the event. So, Everything's coming up Millhouse. You know? Plus, it's a great movie. Uh, what we do in the It shadows. is a great movie. I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but but I, I can't comment on, on on how good that movie is. Yeah, they I were. Can't, um, I can't. I can't. I say actually talked. We actually talked about what we do in the shadows a little bit on the other podcast I do, the Power Pals, and um, I and I can't remember because I know that you and I talked about some lines and we did on there, but it was it was the sandwich line. Was that you or was that them that we talked about that with? I don't remember just talking about that. You know which line I'm talking about, right? Refresh my memory. That's something about fucking a sandwich. I can't remember the line exactly. <laughs> I'm going to look it up here. So I'm just going to look up sandwich. What do we do in this shadow? Oh, I was thought you were going to put sandwich plus fuck. And I was like, turn your images off. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, it's, uh, hold on. This is dead air is great yeah. on a podcast. I think it, I think we drink virgin blood because it sounds cool. I think of it like this: if you are going to eat a sandwich, would you just enjoy it more if you knew no one had fucked it? That's it. <laughs> that's the line. Yeah, we didn't talk about that, but yes. Yeah, 
Anyway, uh, that is this Wednesday, October 19th, 7 p.m. 7.30. 7.30, sorry, at uh, Big Hop's The Bridge. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be watching the debate that night, so I got to work <laughs> through that stuff. So, sorry. Yeah, well, sure, there's, there's – it's a different kind of horror show that we're showing. hey <laughs> Zingo! I'm going to use that line at the event, I've decided. <laughs> hey, uh, well, you guys, uh, we got a great horror movie for you tonight. And no, I don't mean the debate. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a that's a that's a that's like a classic uh, 90s era Jay Leno joke right there. <laughs> hey, what do, you think, what do you think of these people, man? <laughs> did we talk, did we talk, did we mention how uh, the, my fa- my favorite part of the Donald Trump, Billy Bush tape was seeing Jay Leno's like kooky jalopy in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some nineteen thirties, like like, like the, runs on like a steamboat engine. It's like the car that the Daddy Warbucks had in Annie. Like <laughs> like Tim Curry's like dropping out of a helicopter to, into the roof. Like that's a deep Annie cut right there. <laughs> Did you ever see the original Annie? Not the piece of shit Jamie Fox one. Uh, I, I've seen bits of it. I don't I, know that I've seen the whole thing. My sister and I watched that so much when we were kids because my mom, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate the, the Jamie Foxx one. Uh, I didn't like it, but we, we watched the original Annie. Well, like the 1982 musical theatrical version of Annie, my sister and I watched all the time cause we had recorded it off of TV. My mom had taped it off of t- the TV for us. So it had commercials built into it and everything. I can still remember like the McDonald's commercial that was in it. <clears throat> and that's how I became the person I am today with all this fucking bullshit in my house. That was the genesis that of was it. That's the genesis of it watching the, a fucking McDonald's commercial over and over and over and, and over. And next again. thing you know you have a vintage Pizza Hut lamp in your kitchen <laughs> yeah, or whatever. I, I have a goddamn Mac Tonight clock on the wall. <laughs> oh, anyway, so uh coming up this coming weekend, you and I will be at MondoCon 3. Here in Austin, Texas. Um, yeah. For those that Mondo don't know, Trace Mondo Mondo is a uh, kind of boutique movie poster. Um. Uh, what would you call it? Dealer. Um, uh, bo- yeah, boutique? I think dealer is a fair thing, but they do more than movie posters. They do, you know, commemorative pint glasses, action figures, and toys. Um, vinyl. Vinyl. Yeah. Uh, so. Speaking of crap that I have in my house, this goddamn Mondo stuff, which I love, movie movie posters, I have a million of them on the wall. And, uh, you know, it it only gets – it's a hobby that's – it has a very passionate fan base that we're – we partake in on Facebook, you and I. Um, And uh, this MondoCon is a huge deal for them. You know, it's for us as well. It's going to be fun. But these people, there are people that are tra- internationally traveling to visit this, yeah. this convention, which you know, by all uh, by all means is is new. You know, this is the third one, and it's never really been anything like it. You know, no, because because it's a very it's a very particular. Um... It's a very like subset of culture. Like, I mean, it's something that's that that knows its exact audience, and it's. It's not something that well, I mean, you can try to ease into it, but before you know it, I mean, like I think both of both you and I started into it just kind of being like, ah, you know, we'll just get things that really attract our attention, and then 
you know, cut to a couple months later when we're obsessively watching Facebook groups and like buying shit and secondhand you, and yeah, you're gonna buy some fucking like what was the one you bought the uh, the you bought an Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind print that has like you can't even buy a frame for it. You're gonna have to get it custom made. <laughs> yeah, I had to get a custom frame <laughs> for it. Where it yeah. just becomes a hassle. Like, god oh, damn it. Well, it's, I mean, it's a 26 by 10.5 print, so <laughs> they're just even... screwing us. Anyway, uh, that is this weekend uh, in Austin, Texas at, uh, is it the AF, AFS, uh, what is that place called? It used to be called uh, the Marquisa. Like the, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they re- renamed it to, but it's also at the Holiday Inn. It's across the street as well. Yeah, uh, they're... Uh, Tickets are on sale now. Uh, they also have some screenings, I believe, that are sold out. Yeah, I think uh, all the screenings are gone. But uh, they have – those are a, a giant, huge thing for the people in the fandom too because they release um, screen prints from the film right after that. Basically, they're designer movie posters, right? That's fair to say. Like they're, I would call them like alternative movie posters where they're not like used – uh, for any sort of promotional materials or for the movie or on DVD art. They're just made by artists as alternate. Well, that's not true. They are a lot of times used on DVD art. Um, I mean, unless it, if, if it's like Mondo that's putting out the release or Criterion or something like that. But... No, the, the new uh, copy of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uses, um, I guess, Tyler Stout poster art. And that was mm. issued by Paramount. Anyway, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of the revolt against the the photoshopped cover or photoshopped faces on a movie poster. Kind of harkens back to the old days of uh, like a Drew Sturzen um, or any of the you know kind of '80s style movie posters. Not necessarily yeah. that exact art style, but when when there was actual craftsmanship in it, as opposed to just there was more art. Artwork than design work. I think what you mean is back before it was just Matthew McConaughey standing back to back, leaning on his co-actress. <laughs> I think some, I think some of the worst offenders are the Star Wars movies. Um, not so where much just, like pasted on faces, like where it looks like Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, not even that, uh, but just because look, like even through the uh, through the prequels, uh, Drew Sturzen made the uh, did the poster art. And they were fine, but when they would finally get to like home media, DVD, Blu-ray or whatever, they would switch to this this shitty photoshopped, like here's Ewan McGregor's head, here's Hayden Christensen's head, here's, you know, Natalie Portman's face. And, you know, it was literally photoshopped, literally photos. It wasn't, there was no artwork. It was just design, you know, layout of production stills and, uh. But yeah, you're right about the Matthew McConaughey leaning against his co-star, <laughs> like Dallas. Like, oh, what's this guy up to? Yeah. No good. Oh, he's 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 such a, a goof. Uh, leaning against the emaciated body of uh, Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> yeah. I should have done a Dallas Buyers Club version of that poster. That I poster had, it's, speaking of, I have a Dallas Buyers Club Mondo print. I know you do. That's one of those that, and that's one of those ones that I know that you would never have ever set out to get. But the no. opportunity arose, and you snapped at it because you're addicted to this shit. Because I had a really good deal yeah. on it. Yeah. Because yeah. never in your life were you like, I could really use a Dallas Buyers Club poster. <laughs> no. No. 
Never. I mean, it's a. I mean, to be fair, it's a really nice print, but oh, you know, and the uh, and I, I know Gizmodo showed it today, and a few other movie blogs. Um, there's a print for The Martian. Oh it's yeah, going to be at MondoCon, and I know you like you I'm sent me the that. photo, and you just said, "God damn it!" Yeah, because I knew because you know you're gonna buy it. Yeah, because like you walk into those things, and it's a Saturday Sunday thing, and then there's a gallery. Mondo has its own gallery that is opening on uh, Friday with two pretty prominent um, artists. And you walk into that hoping that you don't see too much that you like because, you know, the ability to to buy them online or on eBay is hard enough, like, to resist. But having them with the artist there just being like, I want that. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's a very difficult thing. And I I only bought uh, two things last year, so I had a little bit of restraint. I don't know if you made it out any better than I did, but uh, I think I only bought one poster at the one print at the show. Um, but I do, I do have my eye on that Martian print. Oh no, I bought two because I got the. Uh, I went to the the Batman, the Batman screening, and I got the. I love that Batman print. Um, <coughs> What's the other thing you got? Uh, I got a Masters of the Universe print. They had a, a screening of a documentary that I enjoyed there. I can't remember the title of it, but it was about uh, the origins of the. Masters of the Universe toys, He-Man, um, and they had a He-Man print for that. The, Was that the, the one that has like a lot of green in it? Yeah, it's a lot of green and purple. That's a really nice print. Yeah, um, I've got it uh, in my bedroom actually, above my computer. So who did that? Who did that one? Um, uh, let me look it up. It's called the Problem with Power. Let's look it up. This is this is good good podcasting. More dead air. It's Mike Love Saputo. It. My oh yeah, I've got a Saputo uh, uh, Zodiac. Print. Yeah, he really was, nice. I bought it from him at the, his table. He it was also because Mondo sells a bunch uh, there at the show. You wait in a giant line for them, you know, and you can buy any basically anything. That's how the gallery shows work. I know you've never been to a gallery show, but you're going to go this time, right? I am going to go this time. You just kind of wait in line. And well, you're gonna go with press, so you're not gonna wait in line. But yeah, I don't wait with those plebes. <laughs> but uh, I've waited in line before. I waited in line for the Jurassic Park show they had last year, and it's essentially you go in, and they give you like a long, a checklist, and you can just check what you want. And there's just so much like, God damn it, I'm just gonna buy all of it. I think and this I, is a really good. It's this one is uh, it's what Ken Taylor and. Um... Ken Taylor and uh, I'm looking at it right now Jason Edmonston. Edmonston. Oh yeah, Jason Edmonston. Yeah, uh, that's a really good show. This looks like uh, uh, it's it's called Home, and I, I don't really know what either of these prints are. There's one there's a, that's a there's a Let the Right One In one. Oh yeah, for sure. that's Let the Right One In. That's the one with there's like a Rubik's cube in a in a snowy graveyard or snowy playground. There's a Skeksis Castle, which is uh, um, from uh, the Dark Crystal. And that's, I believe that's all that's been revealed so far. Yeah. Chances oh, are you're you... going to go and you're going to be like, God damn it, I need to buy something from this show. Yeah, I know. Uh, the other thing, too, is I don't know how it's going to work or what we're going to do exactly, but I think you and I are going to attempt to speak to some artists while we're there and, and maybe try to do a, a little MondoCon episode of yeah, it's this gonna wonderful be, it's program. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know how well art is going to play on audio, but, you know, maybe you can, maybe we can like create a little slideshow to play along. The people mm. take some photos and put them on Facebook, and then you can you can see them if we remember to do that. 
Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, so that's this weekend, um, October, uh, what is it, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, or 22nd, 23rd? Yeah, 22nd and 23rd for the actual con. 21st is the gallery opening. You're going to, you're going to, have you, you, have you ever been to the Mondo Gallery? I have not been there. You're going to, you're going to love it. And you're going to see dudes waiting outside in line. And you're just going to stroll in the back just, door. Just like holding tubes. Uh huh. Yeah, it's true. Uh, well, I went to the the last gallery opening. I went to was um, um, Inforama with my boy Tom Whalen was there. You know, I love some Tom Whalen. Yeah, and and what's funny about that is I already have like a bunch of tubes I can bring. Plus, I'm actually gonna. My plan is to bring some of those acid free bags and then lay them flat in my car so I don't have to roll them up. Uh, so. <laughs> The the show I went to before that was uh, during South by, and it was a um, uh, Richard Linklater show, and uh, like the whole cast of uh, Everybody Wants Some was there. Like Johnny Galecki was wandering around, <laughs> looking uh, like a typical Austin hipster. What's the kid's name from um, Boyhood? Was there? Oh, uh, Eller Coltrane, looking fucking handsome. Uh, Richard Linklater was there. It was a good time. Was that where you almost ran into Kurt Russell? No, that was at the screening of um, of Everybody Wants Some. Oh, okay. I was walking down the aisle back to my seat at the Paramount, and he was walking up, and we did that thing where, like, you you both juke at the same time to try to make room for the other person, but you end up just heading right into each other. I have a friend who did that with, uh, <laughs> with Al Sharpton once, or maybe it was Jesse Jackson, one of those two. <laughs> It's a good story. <laughs> Where the hell was he at? I told some political volunteer thing. I um, think. Yeah, this was Kurt Russell because his son Wyatt Russell is in the movie. Wyatt Russell was there at the uh, at the gallery opening. All right, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have the accountant. Sit right there. What is this place? Pan America Airstream, 34 feet 7 inches long, 8 feet 5 inches wide. Dimensions which are perfectly adequate for one person. Preferable, even. This is where you live? No, I don't live here. This is a storage unit. That would be weird. That's what would be weird? I'd like to spend more time here. However, I'm afraid some of my clients might follow me. Why would your clients follow you? You're an accountant. How do you know what to do here? Why are you prepared for this? Plus, this is on wheels, which means I can hook it up and be gone in 12 minutes, usually. Sarcasm? Is that sarcasm? No, that's not sarcasm. I don't use sarcasm. It's irritation. Everything in the world that is important to me is in this trailer. And right now, changing my routine for you is jeopardizing that. As a math savant uncooks the books for a new client, the Treasury Department closes in on his activities and the body count starts to rise. So, what would you think of The Accountant? Um, I would say that I have mixed feelings on it. Uh, you, told you, me, know, it d- you told me some bullshit like, oh, it doesn't all add up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I tried doing the math and uh, I don't know. I, I, I hate to, uh, you know... God, I had a bunch of them, and I th- I can't remember any of them now. <laughs> there was something about oh I yeah I didn't I didn't want to write it off initially or something you know yeah whatever yeah anyway I'm deducing here uh yeah no what okay I don't know what you mean by that one like deductions 
you know. Oh. Yeah. I don't think okay. that means the same thing. <laughs> sure it does. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think that the I don't think deducing means the same thing as taking deductions. <laughs> tomato tomato. Anyway, um <laughs> so the accountant <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's a mixed bag. Uh I went in with no expectations. I didn't think it looked particularly good. Um, but, you know, Ben Affleck is is having somewhat of a resurgence in his career, um, it, primarily as a filmmaker, but you, you also see him a little bit more interesting and interested in his acting roles that he's taking on. And I think that this may be his best performance ever, maybe? I don't know about ever, but... like I'm, I mean, like, maybe he's a little bit better in the town, but other than that, I don't... I can't think of an Affleck performance because it's a nuanced thing where he's he's playing um, he's playing someone with autism and mm-hmm. um, the way that it portrays autism is 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 really well done in terms of just kind of um, there's just like I wrote in my review there's there's a lot of idiosyncrasies to to that whether it be you know um, the need to you know do rituals uh, mixed in with some issues socially there's a lot of really really good moments with him and Anna Kendrick where, you know, it's, it's the typical, like, uh, like the, the closest thing I can think of is kind of like the, the literal stuff like you saw like Drax do in guardians of the galaxy, you know, where it's just taking everyone literally. Yeah. In that sense. I mean, let's, let's be honest. He's playing an autistic Jason Bourne. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Right. And, um, and so I, I think that he does really, really, uh, he he has he does a really good performance in this movie, and um, uh, I think that anything that's not happening directly with Ben Affleck in this movie is kind of a head scratcher. Um, there's a lot of wasting of some really good actors. I don't know why Jeffrey Tambor is in this movie. He plays a plot point, <laughs> like he plays an A to B plot point. Um, J.K. Simmons doesn't really have a lot to do, despite the fact that he's given this exposition dump. Um, in the in the movie that just kind of to me almost de- derails everything because everything after that point is just like a series of we're gonna try to throw some twists at you and then we're gonna do unexpected things and it just didn't it didn't have quite the payoff that it was building towards um, but I think that everything that happens with Affleck is really good I think a lot of the writing is really good but I think that it has too many moments where it sort of is trying to be more clever than it is well um, well I think I think there's some weird. It feels like maybe this movie was half an hour longer uh, because like the 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 thing that sets the plot in motion with with J.K. Simmons, he recruits uh, um, the uh, what's the the characters? Uh, Mary Beth Medina is her name. Uh, Cynthia Aday Robinson is the actress. He kind of she comes in for a job interview and he threatens her with like her backstory. (laughs) Yeah, essentially. And it doesn't ever really play into anything else. Like she, you know, she's essentially a treasury agent investigating this criminal who apparently they never had a good picture of over all these years. Uh, Look, man, speaking of that, I get so tired of these movies where they, they, they like, they, it's the same thing with like enhancing images and enhancing audio. Like, why isn't that not already enhanced? Like, oh, like, why are you not getting like the full? No, but that's the thing is there's a photo that he hands her that he tells her is already enhanced. I did notice that. He's like, no, this is already. But yet they spend, there's like a five minute scene of her enhancing audio. Oh yeah. That's, 
look, there's a lot of leaps of logic in the narrative here. Um, and like I said, <laughs> I mentioned this to you. Um, so the story of, of Affleck's character is uh, kind of fleshed out in backstory, like how his, excuse me, how he's, <laughs> I burped, how his, uh, his condition, his autism affected his family. And you see, there's a scene where, uh, uh, it, it is sent, he's like kind of, you know, having a, a, a giant episode, you know, he's breaking stuff and kicking walls. And as his mother is leaving, like as his, his family is dissolving, like his mom is walking out on them and you see his brother, you know, flip her off and basically the dad come back in and control him. And then the very next flashback with his family is all of a sudden him and his brother like learning Muay Thai in Jakarta. <laughs> like what the fuck? What? Why? I don't even understand. Like it, it was a normal domestic drama thing, and then the next thing they're fucking like learning kung fu from from some some master <laughs> while their dad reads the paper. I don't even understand what the, what how that got from there to there. Well, and I love I love it's like the Jakarta Times or whatever the hell <laughs> yeah, it says yeah. on the paper. Like I, what happened? Why did that happen? Like all well, of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden he be like. All of a sudden, he trains them to become like like master fighters, which I don't under, I don't get. I don't, what happened? What happened in between? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then and then, like I said, my my biggest problem lies in in that J.K. Simmons exposition dump because it's literally like a five minute scene of J.K. Simmons putting the pieces together of things that were kind of slowly trickled out. And it's just got no payoff, like at all. Like I'm just sitting there, like I don't, like who cares? Like, well, yeah, there, I, yeah, I do have to say though that I did like the climax, uh, I, and I liked. Look, there's a twist in this movie that you're gonna see coming from, like as soon as one character is introduced. Yeah, you're gonna be like, oh, I got it, and then when it finally pays off. It's not a surprise, but I, I think it was satisfying. I liked it. I liked that it didn't go as expected. Uh, I, I think that scene is good because there's some really good action in that scene. Um, there, and there's a, there's a really funny – like I think the funniest thing about the movie is, uh, is, where, is where Ben Affleck's character has to take out some people on a, on a farm – mm-hmm. and as he's leaving, he just awkwardly waves. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That scene? I, and- that, yeah. And and the plot, like the kind of the the underlying plot of it doesn't really make any sense. No. Um like the like the whole robotics thing. Well, the whole kind of scam that that he's investigating. Yeah, and oh that's another the John Lithgow why 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 is he in this? But, you well, know. Uh, well, he's got I mean John Lithgow, Gene Shepard. I mean, uh is that her name? I think so. But no, that that whole plot line, like I don't like I don't get it. Like I don't get like 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 I, it's revealed why he was doing it, but it still doesn't make sense as you put it together. And especially when you factor in Anna Kendrick's role, which again, you know, Anna Kendrick is dumped off, you know, thirty minutes before the movie ends, and yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. But all this being said, ultimately, I enjoyed it. Well, I did too, but barely. I mean, it gets by barely for me. I mean, I think it gets by on the strength of Affleck. Yeah. And then some really cool action sequences. I, and I, I really, I did like John Barenthal. Um, you know, I won't say much more about that character, but uh, 
was about to say something as a joke that you would have had to cut out. <laughs> oh, I don't want to know. You want, um, you want me to give you some editing work? No, please don't. Because <laughs> if, if it's bad, I'll leave it in to fuck you. Oh, brother. If it's, offended, if it's offensive, I'll be like, mm. Oh, you didn't, you didn't hear me just do it? I heard you. But anyway. <laughs> just, just choosing not to acknowledge me. Anyway. Now you have to uh, edit it out, asshole. Yeah, who cares? Uh, I, I, I think there's – it feels like it's, – it's pretty long as it is. It's like two hours. It oh, feels yeah, like it's it, two hours. It feels like there probably was a longer version out there. Um, I don't think it really drags, but it does have some – I think that the exposition dump that you're talking about that comes about an hour and a half into it feels like it was the result of something being cut. And like they're like, we have to explain this whole goddamn thing. Um, and it feels it feels heavy right there. It feels like the – because at that point, also at that point, other than being, you know, absent Anna Kendrick for the last half hour of the movie, you're you're like 15 minutes without Ben Affleck at that point too. By the time this this whole flashback thing is playing out, I mean you're you're getting it from from J.K. Simmons' character's point of view, and you kind of see Affleck mm-hmm. in the shadows. But like you said, anytime it's not focused on him, it kind of meanders a little bit into people just sort of playing catch up the whole time. Right, trying to put together the pieces of the story that, as almost as the audience, but but yet it's nothing that really seems consequential at any point. Or it doesn't really seem that hard either. Right, like, it doesn't like you know, he's like this international assassin for some reason. I still want to know how that happened because I don't think the movie ever adequately answers that. No, it really doesn't. Because, uh, like I like you like I said, it it jumps from you seeing his family breaking up in a normal fashion, you know, a normal kind of tragic adolescent fashion, and then the next thing is they're fucking trained fighters in Asia, and then the the one scene after that, they're like beating up hoodlum kids in France. <laughs> yeah, what is happening? And then now he's an international assassin. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um. But still, like I said, I enjoyed it. So, ultimately, what's your grade? I go B minus. It's enough for me to recommend, but barely. B minus. I think a B minus is fair. I, I think there's a lot of stuff it it could have done better, but I recommend it. It. Uh, do you think there'll be a sequel? I hope not. You don't think so? You don't. They, no. I. It's. It felt so much like Affleck's version of Jason Bourne, and it's left kind of so open ended. Yeah, but they should make another one, but he's just like literally doing accounting the whole time. <laughs> you just you just caught him on a day when he has nobody to, to murder. <laughs> Either that or it's, or it's him during tax season. Where like he's, he's just, just slammed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and move on to our next movie, Shin Godzilla. Japan is plunged into chaos upon the appearance of a giant monster. Now, I know you just finished watching this movie because we saw it uh, on, we had a screener copy of it. 
Yeah, so with really, the not distracting at all watermark. Well, that's happened so that you can't pirate it. But plus, you had the watermark and you had subtitles in there, and yeah, and like subtitles at the top that seemed totally unnecessary. But anyway, well, it's part of the satire, but we'll get to that in a second. So, since it's freshest in your mind, what did you think of Shin Godzilla? More like shit, Godzilla. <laughs> oh. Right. So yeah, no, I as we've talked about on this on the show before how I I like monster movies. I like the old kaiju movie, but um man, this movie is just a, so boring. Um you know, I think that I think that you had pointed out initially and it's like uh you know, Godzilla faces his fiercest enemy in Japanese bureaucracy in this one where it's just like that's literally the plot line is just it's 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 a satire on on bureaucracy and then it gets into some like America warlord type stuff later on. But the the point is I think I think it does two things wrong uh-huh. that are completely wrong. First one being there's no characters to latch onto here. So there's just there's a bazillion characters in here and none of them are memorable. And so there's no protagonist really in this movie. And it and it's and it, you don't know like what to do with that. You don't know who you're rooting for. You don't know who is who. It's uh, it, it's just one of those things where like there's there's like two main-ish characters, but they don't have any character qualities or character traits that stand out. Now come I on, think, there's there's the uh, very very unconvincing Japanese American character. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the woman's yeah. like Kayoko and Patterson or some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that, some <laughs> bullshit like '90s Arnold Schwarzenegger name. <laughs> like I'm Ray Wilson. Hi. Like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I think the cardinal sin that it makes though is that I think Godzilla is. I mean, first of all, Godzilla's in this thing for like twenty minutes, maybe, but <laughs> yeah. of a two-hour movie, by the way. Um, yeah, I think I just think Godzilla's boring in this. Like, it's it, and I, I think that it doesn't look good. I think we, you and I, disagree a little bit on that. Um, but it looks somewhere in between CGI and guy in a monster suit, and it's just a bad combination because the first iteration we see of Godzilla, he has like a fish face um, <laughs> he because looks the idea is, is that. What he looks doofy as shit. He looks so goofy, and it's and it's and it's 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 it makes you laugh because it's it just has this like shit eating grin on its face the whole time, and um, and it's not intimidating or anything like that. And I do like the idea that Godzilla is evolving in this movie. So where Godzilla starts off as sort of a fish, and then after he's on land, he evolves into um into a more like upright creature, um. The problem is it's it just looks terrible. Like the first goofy Godzilla looks terrible. And then there's a scene in the movie where Godzilla they they're they're starting to, you know, shoot artillery at Godzilla and the dumb thing just stands there for a good 15 minutes with its mouth wide open, never changing facial expression, not roaring or anything, just taking missiles to the face <laughs> like well, and it just happens just keeps going and going and going and godzilla doesn't move he doesn't get pissed off he just sort of stands there like oh yeah, this is inconvenient well look I, I i feel like everything that that might be kind of inexplicable in this is explained away in the fact that this is supposed to be a satire i mean if if all the reviews i've read other than ours are to be believed 
this is a pretty pointed satire at like Japanese bureaucracy and the whole sort of Godzilla uh, genre, the you know the uh, kaiju genre. However, I feel like I was it was totally lost on me the tr- in the translation. Like I, I get it, I get what they were going for, but I couldn't I couldn't ever latch on to it because I had no point of reference for it. Not having really grown up watching Godzilla movies, I mean, I know that they exist and I have ancillary associations with them. You know, mostly through Mystery Science Theater three thousand and maybe catching like Godzilla 1985 or King Kong versus Godzilla or something as a kid on TV. So it wasn't something that was really, it really resonated with me as like, Oh, this they're sending up the genre here or they're sending up Japanese bureaucracy or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's the goal. I think the problem with it is that it's not silly enough for any of that to hit, you know, because I, I think there has to be a level of camp to it. If it's going to go down that road, I, I think it gets there every now and then. I mentioned to you while I was watching it, I I messaged you and said that, oh, like, oh, now it got kind of batshit crazy for a little bit, like when, like after the first Godzilla attack, and he just starts shooting those purple lasers out of his back. Yeah, like that's when I was like, yes, finally we might be getting to something that's that's fucking nuts, you know, that that really reminds me of why this genre became kind of endearing. Because it's it you know it it didn't take itself too seriously you know all of a sudden like Godzilla would be doing backflips or whatever right and I think that the the, the it it has this weird in between of being intentionally shitty but not shitty enough and being a satire but not ridiculous enough to hit as a satire not to mention as a satire it's the same joke for two hours you know true. True. There's no variation on anything. There's no change of anything. It's just okay. We get it. You have to jump through a lot of hoops. Well, yeah, and I think that's part of the uh, the joke. Part of the joke is those subtitles that that come on and like keep getting increasingly longer for each you know bureaucrat that they have to run through. Yeah, uh, you know that's part of the joke, obviously. But it's it's a difficult one to latch onto if you if you have no real point of reference for Japanese culture or the kind of kaiju genre and the, and the trappings of it, you know, I mean, I, you know, I think at your basis level, you're like Godzilla smashes buildings and does weird stuff. Sometimes, you know, you don't, I don't really know but, anything else about it other than, other than that. You know, I just feel like if you're going to have a two hour Godzilla movie and you are going to, um, you're you're going to only have him in there for 20 minutes. He has to be doing something interesting. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that first scene of them shooting missiles and bullets and stuff at him, he stands still <laughs> and doesn't move for 10 minutes. I thought I thought we were going to get a different movie judging by the first like 10 minutes of the of the movie when uh, yeah. it kind of uh cut between different points of view. Like I think I think it's really well shot. Like it's it's way better looking than you know, minus some kind of dicey special effects wise. I think it's way better looking than any of the any other film I've seen like this before with a different, you know, camera angles and then interspersing like what's supposed to be social media video or cell phone video. Uh, I thought that's the kind of movie we were going to get, like maybe a little mix of Cloverfield with Godzilla. But then all that all that other stuff kind of falls by the wayside and it just becomes another kind of boring Godzilla movie. 
and it would be one thing, you know, I, I, I haven't seen the original Godzilla, but I've read a lot about it and the fact that it was kind of this, you know, the, you know, Godzilla was obviously the metaphor for the atomic bomb and, and it was, and apparently that first Godzilla movie, the original Japanese one is like a really somber, sad oh, yeah, affair. Yeah. And in, in, it's sort of devolved into this, like, you know, it, like it has that same message at its core here a little bit. But it's not done with any impactful meaning behind it or um, any emotional pull or anything like that. It's just it's just such a it's a dud of a movie to me. It's just boring and it's <laughs> yeah. it's not funny and it's it's repetitious and um, well, like like we mentioned in the before the show talking about the uh, well at the show when the show started talking about the Nightmare on Elm Street series and that kind of reminds me. The the arc of Godzilla kind of reminds me of Freddy Krueger in that it starts out as this this kind of serious, scary thing, and then it just turns into this, this kind of pop culture goofball. I mean, you watch some of those like 70s and eight, and uh, like six, late 60s, early 70s Godzilla movies, and they are fucking downright goofy. Uh, like there's one where he like has a best friend that's a robot like it's just like and it's not mecha godzilla it's like it's a robot named jet jaguar who can grow and shrink and stuff like they get really fucking nutty that sounds terrible that's uh that's if you can ever track it down it's out of print now but it's a mystery science theater 3000 episode called, called godzilla versus the sea monster that's that's my most familiarity with that's where most of my familiarity with godzilla comes from is stuff like this and then the spin-offs are the stuff that it's that it inspired like mothra and we, you and I saw Mothra uh, a couple months ago at the Riff Track show. That movie is nuts. That movie is fucking goofy as shit. <laughs> um, and then other stuff like Gamera, which is about a turtle. It's a giant turtle that his back legs go in and he shoots rockets out of the back and flies through space. <laughs> I mean, they're fucking nutty as shit. And I think, you know, it's probably along the same lines as when these gritty reboots of, of goofy stuff has happened as happens lately, you know, like, Oh, you know, Superman got too, you know, silly. So we had to reboot it as this murderer from space or whatever you want to call the Zack Snyder stuff, you know, like reclaiming its seriousness in a way. And I, I don't, I think it just forgot to be fun. You know? Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. Go? I mean- God damn it. I laid back on my couch because you were babbling, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I picture you unzipping your pants, <laughs> anyway. like a uh, like Al Bundy. Put, he put his hand out in front of his pants. Right. I, well, I, that's. I mean, yeah, I was comparing sure. myself. Sure. All right. So, what would you think? What's your grade for Shin Godzilla? Uh, I give it a C minus. See, yeah, I'm at a C. I don't think it's. I I I can't recommend it, but. I don't hate it as much as you did, but uh, it is playing at uh, Alamo Drafthouse Westlakes. Is that correct? That is well, it was. It's a, it was in a very limited engagement because it was this was this aired and aired, <laughs> and this uh, came out in Japan um, about uh, a month ago and, and finally made its way to the United States. So don't ever say it like that again. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for this week. Next week. Might have a little MondoCon show for you. Yes, and we also have two sequels that nobody asked for. Oh, uh, Ouija and um, Jack, Jack Reacher. Reacher. 
I don't know what the subtitles on either of them are. Uh, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, and uh, Ouija. Uh, <laughs> nobody saw the first one. I don't, Ouija, I don't know. Uh, where did we put that? Game Origins again? of Evil or something like something that. Like, something like that. I see. the The problem is, I'm I the both screenings are on the same night for me, so I can't see both. I hated the first Ouija. By the way, I know we talked about it on this show when it was released. But I hated I hated that fucking movie so much. Yeah. The, um, the only thing I remember about it is that's when Kiko and I were still doing the TV show or the web the web video show, and uh, the studio sent us a Ouija board. And do you remember when we were still? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we were still recording this show at uh, Kiko's house, and his wife wouldn't let us use the Ouija board in the house. She wouldn't let it in her house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like it's from it says fucking like Hasbro on it, like it it needs batteries. Like how can it channel the <laughs> channel the spirits if it needs batteries? Uh, that's when I found out that people are for real freaked out about Ouija boards. Because I, I think do you remember at the screening they had like a somebody doing a Ouija like you could go. I didn't. I wasn't board. there, but I heard about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was. That's when I learned that people are for real freaked out about that shit. Which I find interesting. I think anything you can buy, like anything that 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 has a barcode on it, can't possibly channel the dead. Like, <laughs> anything that has like, a good point. I mean, just think about it. Like that thing is sitting at Target somewhere, you know, and then like all of a sudden it's going to channel the dead in your house and murder your family. But yeah, that's what yeah. that's what I wish the Ouija movies were. Was like they went and bought one at the fucking store, and all this evil shit happens. But no, they got to find some ancient one that's, you know, was buried with an, in an Indian graveyard or some bullshit. Like no, go to Target, buy a Ouija board, put double A batteries in it, and then the evil spirits come alive. Yeah, then that that's a movie I'd like to fucking see. But like it's like 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 the ancestors of John Duracell or something. <laughs> John Duracell, <laughs> <laughs> the heir to the Energizer fortune. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll we'll have to see how that shakes out. Plus, I I never saw the first Jack Reacher either. Yeah, well, you're not missing much. How did that? It was I guess it was a big enough hit to warrant a sequel. I. I I, you got me. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even remember when that movie was released. I just know that the big thing about that was like, uh, like in the in the uh, in the books because it's a book series. Um, I think it is it. I can't remember the author. Um, I feel like it might be like a Tom Clancy thing or it's something. Not, it's, but definitely, any- it's definitely not Tom Clancy. It's uh, let's see. Uh, while you're looking that up, um, you know, essentially, apparently, in like. In 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 the books, like Jack Reacher is like this hulking six four guy, and then Lee Child is Lee Child. Lee Child, that's right. Yeah. So apparently, in the uh, in the books, he's like this giant guy, and then he's played by like Tom Cruise, yeah, like five seven Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. So I know that a lot of people were upset about that, but at the end of the day, who cares? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how that shakes out. We'll we'll work on having the MondoCon stuff for you too. Yeah, if we're not all broken homeless by then. I'm, I'm well, I mean, I have a home, so. Not ah, well, look home. at you. <laughs> Brag much? Yeah, there's fucking, there's a cat right here, too, in the house, so. 
Anyway, uh, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can call us at 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. Find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook, Cinesnob Critic. Come to our uh, screening of uh, what we do in the shadows, Cinema on Tap, Big Hops. And, and Draft House on Monday the 24th, Let Me In. Oh, I've never actually seen that version. Oh, really? Yeah. It's great. I mean, you I like Matt you... Reeves, right? Well, what's he done besides that in the Dawn, uh, Riot, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and uh, Cloverfield. Oh, yeah, of course, Cloverfield. I don't know why I never saw Let Me In. I saw Let it's, the Right One In. Is Let it, Me In is great. Like is it's, it I mean, it's on the, par. Yeah, I remember kind of being weirded out by Let the Right One In. Because you get that like weird Swedish like okayness with nudity. There's a weird there's a there's a subplot in Let the Right One In that is not quite explored but only hinted at and let me in that makes it a little bit more palatable uh in that sense. Who is it? It's uh Chloe Moretz and uh Cody Cody Smith McPhee, right? Yeah, it's Chloe Moretz, Cody Smith McPhee, and then uh Richard Jenkins also. What is it uh when you interviewed Cody Smith McPhee, you're like, Hi Cody, it's Cody. Yeah, yeah, Hi, and Cody. then I and then uh I didn't get to pitch in my sitcom. Uh oh. Well, what, sitcom idea? I, I remember you telling me, but I don't remember the details. Okay, so basically uh, it was a sitcom called Cody and Cody. Oh, um, you, you went to an audition or something, right? And he was a yes, counselor? So, yes, so basically I play myself as a therapist. Um, Cody Smith-McPhee plays himself as an actor. And so basically we, have, we share an answering machine, as you do when you're roommates, because we're roommates in this. And we, we get a uh, – there's a call that says, hey, Cody, get down here. We need something very last minute and we need you to take this call or whatever. And so I rush down there and I end up being at an audition for like this really scared character. And I book the audition and then Cody gets pissed at me for taking his job. And then does he give out some unlicensed therapy and cause someone yeah. to, to commit suicide? Yes. So it's a laugh riot. I picture it as like a single camera sort of uh, awkward office style sitcom. Yeah, like there's no, no mu- there's no music, and then like when when you find out the the character like the whoever the off screen character is commits suicide, like somebody does a take to the camera, and then it just cuts to black, like Steve yeah. Carell. Yeah, no, it's it's like a one episode thing, like a yeah, yeah. That was the pilot idea. I mean, I haven't, I mean, I haven't put it down on paper or anything or pitched it to him, but I mean, I feel like we're at that point where we can make that happen. So, well, he does have that uh, that X Men uh, apocalypse clout right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, Let Me In. That's at Alamo Draft House. Which one? Park North. Park North. 24th. On the 24th. <laughs> All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Vivania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.